Our first scripture reading today is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. The second scripture is Hosea 2. Verses 14 through 20. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. There she will sing as in the days of her youth as in the day she came up out of Egypt. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, and you will no longer call me my master. I will remove the names of the Baals from her lips. No longer will their names be invoked. In that day, I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the creatures that move along the ground bow and sword and battle I will abolish from the land so that all may lie down in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness and you will acknowledge the Lord. And the third scripture is 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love's, love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Last Sunday we began our look at what is called the Shema. The Shema is the signature passage of Scripture for the Jewish people. The biblical, Hebrew biblical word for hear, like what we do with our ears, is Shema. That's what Shema means, to hear. Hear, O Israel, is how the Shema begins. It's the first word. Hear, O Israel. And what is Israel to hear? What are they to Shema? They're to hear that the Lord, our God, is the Lord alone. And we are to love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength. And practicing Jews will say the Shema, or to pray the Shema, first thing every morning and the last thing at the end of every day. And they are to keep these words before their eyes and in their minds all the time. Last Sunday, we passed out uh, small cards 
with the Shema written on them so that uh, we could take those and put them somewhere that we could see them to begin our day and to end our day. And if you didn't get one of those, there are some on the sign-up table in the gathering area. You can get one today. And uh, I encouraged all of us to consider praying the Shema in the morning and doing it at night again. Um, and doing this is kind of a spiritual experiment. I hope you'll say the Shema morning and night and see how these words might shape your hearts, shape our minds, and uh, open our awareness to God. Let's take that piece of what our Jewish friends do and, and let's also affirm these important verses for ourselves. You know, Jesus quoted the Shema. And Jesus said, it's the first and it's the greatest commandment. And he added, then he said, then, then there's also to love our neighbor as ourself. He says, that's the second most important commandment. A spiritually formed person loves God and loves their neighbor. Loves the Lord and loves the other person. But who is this God that we're told to love? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all you are. Well, who is this God that, that we're supposed to love? The Shema says, love him, but what kind of a God is he? What is he like? Does he in turn love and care about us? Well, if we get nothing else this morning, this is what I hope we will get. The command to love the Lord our God is merely a response to the love that God has first shown us. Reason number one for loving God is because his love has come to us, you and me, first. You know, it was true for Israel. Remember that they were, these people were slaves in Egypt. They were nobody. They, they became Israel. They became a nation. They became the people of the Lord because the Lord set his love on them. This is what Moses said to them. He said, the Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all the peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath that he swore to your ancestors that he brought you up out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Israel didn't do anything to deserve the love of the Lord. They were not particularly attractive. The Lord loved them just because. Just because. And though the Shema says to love the Lord their God with all that they are, this didn't happen well. And the long story of ancient Israel, as we read in so much of the Old Testament, is how they didn't love the Lord. Israel turned from the Lord. They rejected him time and time again. One of the books of the Old Testament, a book of the minor prophet, is the book of Hosea. And um, Hosea is an eyebrow-raising story because God tells Hosea to go, and God's instructions to Hosea are to marry a prostitute. Why? Because the people of the Lord are guilty of adultery against him. Why? Because the Lord sees the relationship between him and Israel like a husband and a wife. 
Hosea is told to reenact exactly how Israel has treated God. Hosea has the boldness to compare Israel's love to the love of a wife who walks out the door one day and turns herself into a prostitute. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty raw image, but you have to admit the image sticks in your mind, huh? As we read in our text from Hosea this morning, God said he was going to allure Israel back to her. He was going to coax her. He was going to sweet talk Israel so that she'd come back to him. He was going to wine and dine her, give her a bouquet of roses, allure her back. And I will take you for my wife forever. I will take you for my wife in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will take you for my wife in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord. So much of Israel's history was about them leaving God and him loving them. And they leave him, and God loves them. And God loves them, and they leave him. And Israel finds other gods, and they go for other religions and other ways of living instead of what God had asked them to do. And the way the prophets describe this is adultery, a spiritual adultery. Instead of loving the Lord, their God, in this covenant faithfulness, as a wife might love a husband, as a husband would love a wife, Israel commits adultery against God who they are to love. Strong language, but this is a strong love. And this is what is behind the story of Hosea, how much God loves these, his people. Reminds me of a song that was written in the 1960s called Here We Go Again. You ever hear that song? A lot of different people recorded this song, but I'll tell you, the version you got to download onto your iPod is the one by Nora Jones and Ray Charles. This is the one you got to get. Um, no one sings it like they did, I tell you. Um, and uh, Ray Charles, he could put more emotion in four words than contemporary singers. It takes him 10 albums to do. So uh, this is how the song goes. Turn it up a little bit, Jim. That's a good song. I'll take him back. Is that on your iPod, Jim? You got that downloaded? This is how the song goes. Here we go again. One more She's time. back in town again. I'll take her back again one more time. Here we go again. The phone will ring again. I'll be her fool again one more time. I've been there before, and I'll try it again, but any fools knows there's no way to win. Here we go again. She'll break my heart again. I'll play the part again. One more time. The Lord could sing that song over his people again and again and again. Israel would break the Lord's heart and his love for her would never fail. Again and again, the Lord, heartsick over his people's unfaithfulness, calls them back to him. Because the Lord just can't give up on us. He just can't. He's a sucker for love. There's a writer and a theologian, Lewis Smeads, who said one time that the Lord is the sort who sticks with what he is stuck with. He sticks with what he is stuck with. And then later in Hosea, the Lord again speaks of his tender affection for Israel. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. 
But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals, and, and the Baals were the gods of the Canaanites, of, of these other religions around them. And they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk. Ephraim was a different name for Israel, an alternate name for Israel. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they didn't realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts a child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. Here we go again. Compassion is what the Lord feels for those who go away from him. He wants us back. He always wants us back. His love is pursuing. It's relentless. It never gives up. Jesus came and showed the heart of God. And when he did, he would often sit at a meal table and share a meal with tax collectors and prostitutes and, and others who had broken God's heart and whom everyone else had given up on. But he said, I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call sinners. One time Jesus told a parable about two sons. And the youngest son asked for his father's inheritance, demanded it, and he took it, and he left, and he blew it all in wild living. And in his shame and his desperation, he wanted to come back and just be a slave for his father. But the father, when he sees the son returning home, sees him even at a distance, it says he saw him, was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him, and he kissed him. And the father welcomes him home and he, and he puts his best coat on him and gives him a ring and his sandals and he throws a party, a welcome home party for his son. Like the Lord was filled with compassion for Israel, like that father filled with compassion for his son, so the Lord is filled with compassion for you and me. And God has shown his compassion in his son Jesus Christ. And even as we've walked away, and even as we've cared less, and even as we've flat out rebelled against him, he still seeks us and has sought us. And our failures and our sins have not nullified his love for us. So, what kind of a God are we asked to love? It is a God who has first loved us. John said it when he said this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, I have not been able to stop thinking about what Kurt Tabasco said. Remember when he was here two weeks ago preaching in his sermon about his friend um, who, just because of a very, very troubled life, just ran from God. And he ran to drugs, and he ran to bad relationships, and he, and he ran from his family, and he, he even wanted to end his life. And then he finally realized how God was with him and pursuing him, even in the worst, all that time. And he came to a place where he said, I guess I just have to surrender to the fact that God loves me, and there's just nothing I can do about it. The Shema is about our loving God, but everything I've said so far this morning is about God's love for us. And that's because 
I think God, loving God is much easier when we understand how much God loves us. God's love is like a faithful and loving husband toward his wife, like a parent toward a child, like a God who is willing to come and give his own life in order that we might know him and know all of his love. And God's love is not something that we can or even have to earn. It is just there, and there's nothing we can do about it. We don't just love God for what he can do for us. We don't love God for the gifts he sends into our lives because if we only love God for what he does for us, then when things get tough or when we lose or when um, we struggle, we may stop loving. To love anyone just because of what they can do for us and give to us is not a very pure love. It's a selfish type of love. We love God for who he is. We love the giver, not the gifts. You know, when Jesus quoted the Shema, he said, this is the first and greatest commandment, and he did not say, he did not say, you shall love God. No, Jesus said the command is to love the Lord your God. Because we are not just to love some God who's unknown and who is undefined. No, this is the Lord. God with an address, the God of Israel, the God with a recorded history and clear claims. This is the Lord we hear of in the scriptures. And in the scriptures, we hear the story of a God who first loved us, like John wrote. It's not that we love God, he loved us. Our love, as we hear in the Shema, is an answering love. God loves us first, and we answer. You know, love was not the usual way to speak of relationship with gods in the ancient Near East. No one had ever heard of this before. Fear was the way you talked about relating to all the gods, but love, you don't talk about loving a god or a god loving you. To relate to God in love, that was a revolutionary thing. But it's because God cares for and walks with and provides and blesses and restores and sustains us. I'll say this, God is not casual about his covenant relationship that he has made with us. He yearns for us and he is passionate about who we are and what we do. And we are not asked to love some distant, great someone, some vague higher power. We are asked to love the God who is the Lord who we see in Jesus Christ. We're to give our hearts and minds and energy back to the Lord in answering love. Answering love. Well, given the command to us to love the Lord our God and given that God has loved us first, here's the question. How much do you love God? How much do you love God? Do you long for times in his presence? Are you intentional about living to please him? How much do you love God? Do you pray to the Lord? Do you know his voice? Does he know yours? Do you love to come to the house of the Lord? Do you, do you love to worship? Do you long to foster relationships with his people? Do you feel pain when you do things that don't honor the Lord? Is your conscience bothered? And do you seek the Lord's forgiveness when you fail? 
Are you generous with your life, your wealth, your time, your energy, your abilities, your resources? And do you look for ways to put those at his disposal ungrudgingly? How much do you love the Lord? Do you long to forgive those who offend you knowing how God forgives you? Do you hunger for his word? Have you become acquainted with his story and know how your life fits into his story? Do you live with integrity in your vocation, in your family, in your personal relationships, and when no eye is looking at you? Do you want to see others know and understand the message of Jesus? Do you hunger for justice and what is right and healing where there is brokenness? And are you willing to invest yourself toward those things? How much do we love the Lord? You know, tonight as your head gets ready to hit the pillow and you say the Shema, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Remember that you are calling yourself to love the Lord who has passionately and faithfully loved you first. And you know, the Lord's table has many meanings. But certainly one of those is the love that God has for us in Jesus Christ. Let's celebrate his love as we come to communion.